This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Oh, I saw a classic game. To college. Wolverines, you're asking me? Who's the best team in the country? To the pros. Number one rated quarterback on PFF. He's been a stud. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Happy Tuesday. We welcome you into the payoff for rivalry week. John, later this week, going to be covering Dow versus Midland. Obviously on Saturday, airing on our radio waves, Michigan versus Michigan State. And then the Lions, maybe the biggest game in the NFL, going up against their newest rival, Josh Kendall, who wrote for The Athletic, put them three in the power rankings, and again, mentioned the fact that they are have an asterisk win in Kansas City. So we're out to get that guy. Lions have a new rival there. And that's where we'll start the conversation with the Detroit Lions because there's no doubt about it. They have the best resume in football. That's not up for debate right now. You can read whatever power rankings you want. They can be three. They can be four. I don't care. The bottom line is they have the best resume in football, and that's kind of unarguable at this point when you look at who they've beat, the rest of their schedule, how they've done it. It's been in dominating fashion. But I said a bunch yesterday on the show that there's one problem on this team, and I have one complaint that lists at the top of my notes from Sunday's game. And it has to do with Riley Patterson, guys. Has to do with just three points. Ironically, the Lions are two and a half point dogs going to Baltimore this week. So these three points could come back to cost the Lions as soon as this week. There has to be a little bit of urgency in all of these games because now tied for the number one record in the NFL, every game matters, not necessarily to make the playoffs. You already have the best percentage to make the playoffs amongst every single team in the NFL. In fact, you also have the highest Super Bowl chance of every team in the NFL, according to these advanced analytics that no one cares about in week eight. Bottom line is you're making the playoffs. Now you're competing for a one seed and games like Sunday determine one seeds. You have to win these swing games, these 50-50 games. And in a game that means so much, that's just a two and a half point spread, your kicker has to be able to make clutch field goals. We saw it when the Ravens came to Ford Field a couple of years ago. I was in the building. That one stung when Justin Tucker took that game away. Having a clutch kicker comes in handy, believe it or not. And the Lions have a kicker who, granted, makes a lot of field goals. But when you don't send them out there past 40 yards, your job is pretty easy. You can't be punting from your own 45-yard line. You can't have your kicker attempt one 40-plus-yard field goal through the first six weeks of the NFL season. That's unheard of. And in that one attempt, wide right. That's going to come back to bite you at some point. I understand the Lions have been blowing teams out four straight games where you've won by 14 or more first time since 1991. 
It's impressive, but that's not going to continue every game this season. Eventually, the Lions are going to find themselves in a close game. And John, if this kicker thing stays consistent the way it is, where you're just never going to attempt long field goals because you don't trust your kicker, that at some point is going to hurt you. And games like this Sunday, where you're two and a half point underdogs, where this game could determine who the one seed is down the road. You have to be able to trust your kicker with the game on the line from 45 yards out. And the Lions just don't right now. Yeah, they trusted him from 36 last week, but they didn't trust him from 40 out. And he missed the field goal as well. You mentioned on yesterday's program how there was one thing that you didn't touch on. It's that this. was, yeah, that was sort of, I guess, uh, you know, stuck in your craw in a way where, all right, we're going to highlight the positives. Five and one, best team in the NFL, best resume in the NFL looking at all now the five and one teams top teams in the league but this is a weakness and you're going to a place that is has the best kicker in the NFL maybe in NFL history in Justin Tucker kind of falls be a apart tough in the playoffs but it's, that's a past the point it's okay but it's it, it's it's a you know a, just looking at Baltimore as an environment a tough environment to play in and we already talked about the line and we've already talked about the line success on the road but it's not you know, out of the realm of possibility, I would say is quite realistic that Sunday's game is going to come down to one possession, to three points. And a 5-1 and one team, not a team that we're considering, oh, we're going to win the NFC North. This is a playoff contender with aspirations and expectations that we've already laid out that are Super Bowl. You can't have a question mark at the kicking position. Right, because there's no blowouts in the playoffs. Not when you play no. good teams. Sure, your Giants might get blown out in the oh, first thanks. round of yeah. the playoffs like uh, last year. Uh, second welcome. round, beat the Vikings. But yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, <laughs> these playoff games, these ones that you're going to have to win in a tight contest, yet, believe it or not, you need a kicker. Your team can be as good as you want. At the end of the day, you're going to play in close games. I get it. The Lions have been great on the road. Haven't lost a game. For that matter, wins in KC, wins in Green Bay, handedly. But at some point, one of these games is going to come down to a field goal, whether it's in favor of the Lions or in favor of whoever the Lions are playing. But if the Lions find themselves in a situation where you need a 52-yard field goal to win the game, which isn't crazy for NFL standards, that's not nuts to ask your kicker to make a 50-yard field goal to win a game. It's not like you're breaking history right there. The Lions don't have someone they can trust. And I'm looking around trying to figure out how to solve this problem. It seems pretty self-explanatory how to solve it. Riley Patterson, not trustworthy. Other free agent kickers available to sign yesterday, trustworthy. I, I, John, I just don't get how this guy's still on the team. This is his second go around with the Lions. I, I don't understand this. Why did well, you trade for someone you didn't trust in the first place two years ago just for him to come in for you to not trust him? Now, when there's free agent kickers available like Robbie Gold, Riley Bullock, Ryan Suckup, just to name a few who were relatively successful from beyond 40 yards last season, beyond 50 yards last season for that matter. And you trust those guys to bring them in right now that they're an upgrade over Patterson? <laughs> I'm asking. Dan Campbell doesn't trust Riley Patterson to walk onto the field past 40 yards. They've done it once, and it was this Sunday, and he missed. Yes. So why would I not feel more comfortable with someone like Robbie Gold, Riley Bull, any of these I'm guys? Just saying, they're old. Robbie Gold's 40 years old. 
Robbie Gold was 7 for 11 from 49 yards. 40, 40 to 49 yards last year was two for two from beyond 50. So how does he not have an NFL landing spot of the 32 team? You tell me. That's what I'm asking. You I mean, t- no, I'm, I, I'm not kidding. You tell me because I, they think Riley Patterson right now is the, I guess the better option red flag when someone is actively trying to trade their kicker. And that's what don't the did. don't trade for the kicker that a team is actively trying to get rid of. Usually that guy stinks. And granted, Riley Patterson has been perfect from inside 39 yards this year. But it's going to come back to hurt them. You can't be punting from your 45-yard line. That is unacceptable. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this Dan Campbell way of thinking where we're just going to be ultra-aggressive and, hell, Patterson can make a 45-yard field goal, but we don't even care. We're just going to keep going for it. Well, they're five and one. Maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe it's this new way of thinking. But to me, eventually when a game comes down to three points, you need to have a kicker you trust. And right now the Lions don't have one. Ever since Matt Prater left, it's been kicker roulette in Detroit. You mentioned that, though. Maybe it's, and I think you'd be able to speak to this a little better, why doesn't Campbell have this trust in Patterson? You look at what he did in Jacksonville in 2022. He was 10 for 13 from 40 to 49-yard field goals. He was 2 for 3 beyond 50. His career long is 52 from a season ago. So why doesn't the trust exist? And if it's, well, we're inside plus territory, we're inside enemy territory, we're going to go for it, then that's the solution. but but, But why punt? That's that's the counterpoint because they have punted you, in certain situations like that. So, but where does that lack of trust come, especially in a dome team? It's one thing to kick in Baltimore in the swirling winds and forty degree temperature, which you're going to get this weekend. It's another thing to kick in the dome in Ford Field. And it's not like they they were forced upon this guy. They traded for him. They yeah. got rid of uh, Michael Badgley, who was good last year. They brought in this Romo guy from the XFL, who apparently had this massive leg, just couldn't kick it between the uprights. That's somewhat important, Main job. but they ended up going with Riley Patterson and now they don't even trust him. And maybe, maybe this nuanced way of thinking where, you know, Oh, the lions have Jack Fox. We're just going to send him out there and pin this team inside their own five because we rely on our punter so much. And we trust our punter so much. And then we trust our defense to get stops and win the field position game. Who knows? I mean, the Lions are five and one. Maybe, maybe this is a, a, a strategy that this team has actively tried to pursue that they're zagging the rest of the league. But if you ask me, at the end of the day, you need someone you trust with the game on the line to be able to kick minimum 50-yard field goal. I, I get it. 50 yards like the standard of like, oh, that's a long kick. But in the NFL, that's not that long. Like you, your kicker should be able to hit 52 yard field goals at above 50% rate. And so far, Riley Patterson is 0 for 1. 989-837-6125. I want to hear from you guys. Do you trust this guy? Do you fear that this is going to cost the Lions a game? Again, that's 989-837-6125. We'll hit the text line next. You're listening to the payoff. Be worked up over a kicker this badly. But you know what? I'm angry. And maybe it's ridiculous that I'm being this nitpicky about a kicker not being able to kick a 50-yard field goal. But the Lions aren't giving us much to complain about right now. These games are so crucial, John. Just oh so crucial when you look at the seating. I already mentioned it. It's a two-and-a-half-point spread. Eventually, one of these games is going to come down to the wire. And, John, you just brought up a great point 
uh, when we were at commercial break. You don't know how uh, you look at the back end of the schedule. And right now these teams seem like easy wins that you can just write in, but this is the NFL. A lot can change in a matter of six weeks. Yeah. I mean, I listen, and we talked about it and maybe you could scoff at this now and I'm not trying to write the doom and gloom of the Lions season and be like, oh, you know, when you play the Broncos in December, they're going to be a world beater. Like, no, we're not, we're not going to go crazy, but Danger I, I still, <laughs> I'm still not ready to write off the Vikings, even though what we've seen they're the two of the last three games, you play the chargers, Dangerous. obviously after the bye. the saints aren't a pushover by any means. You do have to go into the dome in new Orleans. They're you want to, <laughs> yeah, the Broncos are probably the, the, uh, I mean, I think there's other They're guarantee dangerous. wins on the schedule, but yeah, that that one's pretty guaranteed. But we are talking about the emphasis of this and the importance of this in identifying the weakness. And I think it's what the Lions are doing in-house. I think it's what Brad Holmes is doing. I think it's what Dan Campbell's doing. I think it's what great teams do. Every five and one team in the NFL doesn't rest on their laurels. No one in San Francisco, and especially after San Francisco and Philly both lost this week, they're looking for ways to improve their team. Philadelphia, and you may not agree with this being this big, massive improvement that's going to put them over the edge, but Philadelphia went out today and they got another receiver. They got Julio Jones. Okay, Julio Jones is not in his prime anymore, but if there's one team that's going to make really? him a part of their, if there's one team that's going to make him part of the offense and potentially make him a catalyst for their success going forward, it's Philadelphia. And when you look at this Lions roster and an important game coming up in Baltimore, that's, as you mentioned off the top, Ben, a swing game, a potential to win it even on the road because it's the, game of the week. it's the game of the week. You have a potential to win it, and then you're not stressing too much at the tail end of the season for that for that buy because that's what you're playing for now. The expectations, the goalposts keep moving. Not that, all right, we're already calling the North, but you're looking past that already, yeah. and you should be. And, and if you feel a little nervous too, I understand because of the years of, you know, Lions football that you've gotten, but – that's where the focus is going. That's where people are looking with this Lions team there. And you mentioned off the top, all right, maybe not getting the respect in the Super Bowl odds or in the power rankings, but they're near the top tier everywhere. Yeah, and, So the and expectation should it. shift. And that's why we're focusing in on the weak spot that you believe is Patterson. And I, here's the biggest thing about, you know, the power rankings, Super Bowl odds, whatever. We've seen the Lions deal with just as much, if not more injuries than most of the teams in the NFL. Montgomery's missed two games. Gibbs has missed two games. CJ Garner Johnson's been out since week two. Kirby Joseph has missed two games. Decker, JMO, Jonah Jackson, Amonra, Laporta, Branch. Everyone's missed games, important players, and they've managed to survive. And you look at what the Niners have done. Uh, they just dealt with injuries for the first time. Christian McCaffrey goes out and they don't know how to play football anymore. Eagles lose um, the, Lane Johnson. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts looks like Nathan Peterman. Like wow. some of these teams, it doesn't feel like it's sustainable if they lose a couple of guys. And whereas the Lions, they've already dealt with a ton of injuries and have dominated their opponents, which is why I have so much confidence in this team going forward. And it's part of the reason where I'm like, you need to address this kicker problem now. This isn't something you can just let loom and think to yourself, oh, well, they're just going to keep dominating games because eventually it's going to come down to this. And in my head, when I first started looking into this, I'm like, well, who's actually available? Robbie Gold? Ah, he's like 40 years old. How, he couldn't have been that good. And then I looked just last year. 7 for 11 from 40 to 49 yards. 2 for 2 from 50, 84% overall. I'm like, ah, is that the only guy? Uh, how about Bullock? 
last year. Six for eight from 40 to 49. One for two from past 50. 85% overall. I'm like, all right, there's two decent options. Then there's a third guy who's even, I literally only looked at three kickers, and all three seem like better options than Riley Patterson right now. Ryan Suckup for Tampa Bay last year, 12 for 12 from 40 to 49. Lions haven't attempted a field goal in that range yet, so that sounds better to me. Only two for seven from past 50, but hey, let's just take our not uh, attempting a kick past 40 approach and just move that to 50. Suckup was also 96% overall last year. It just seems like these guys are out available to come kick, and the Lions are saying, yeah, you know what, we're good. We'll just roll the dice and pretend that we're going to blow everybody out the rest of the season. But I think maybe it goes into Campbell's philosophy where they don't emphasize the importance of special teams, maybe. I mean, but there's, why there's wouldn't the analytics you upgrade that would say, your kicker? I, I'm sort of in lockstep with you, but I'm guessing they rather allocate resources elsewhere if you're going to go for it when you're inside the... You know, depending on the situation, obviously, but you're you're over in plus territory and the Lions have been uber aggressive. It's what the analytics nerds and analytics people within the organization, I'm sure, are saying as well, where teams that have relied on kicking and listen, it, it always comes down to kicking. You could look at this week uh, in San Francisco and Cleveland and a makeable field goal for Moody. And that's the reason the 49ers aren't still undefeated along with others. But if it's not part of the philosophy, because my thing that I'm still held up on it's not like Patterson's a bum. No, he's a very good kicker when it's inside 39 yards. No, but even, pa- I mean, last year in Jacksonville, I, I read you the numbers, as long as 52, yeah, this is a guy who's made capable kicks uh, inside or deeper than 40 yards, even deeper than 50 John, yards. John, they don't where trust is that? But where does that come from? Where does that stem from? Uh, probably every day at practice, if I had to <laughs> if guess. If that's, if that's the case, then you do have the wrong guy, and you have to ship him elsewhere and, and not even look at the statistics. If If... If he's not hitting consistently from 40 yards, because 50 is, is something else. And I do agree with your earlier point that 50 is long NFL in college. It shouldn't be long in the NFL. I agree. I agree. But 40 yards, even to get to like it's a chip, chip shot. You, yeah, it should be a chip shot for NFL kickers. And Almost if it's not, or there. there's doubt, <laughs> if there's doubt, then that's a problem. It's a big problem. Uh, you want me to keep Nick picking at special teams? I've got another oh, specifically co- yeah, I got, special teams. I, yeah, I, got, I, got, I got another. I can't complain about anything else this right, organization so is doing right special now. Teams now. Yeah, why is if we're only going to send Jamison Williams out on the field for 16 offensive snaps a game? He's going to score a touchdown on one of them. But regardless, 16 snaps isn't a lot. Can we utilize him on special teams a little bit more? He's only the fastest player on the field at all times. Can, he, can he be our kick returner? Returner. Can he be our punt returner? <laughs> can he, anything? No, no, I'm not kidding. Why not utilize the fastest player on the field if you're only going to utilize him for 16 snaps a game on offense? Who's the returner now? Eh, Khalif Raymond on punt returns. Guy with a lot of experience they in don't, that department. They, they decide not, yeah. But, they, I mean, he was a pro bowler last year. Mm-hmm. But he's not Jamison Williams. And they just simply choose not to return kicks. They just let it bounce, touch back every single time. Which, I guess, is a, a new way of thinking. The Lions are ahead of the schedule. Uh when it comes to these nuanced way of thinking, Stan Campbell, a lot of people say he's not too bright. Maybe just maybe he's one step ahead of the game at all times, John. <laughs> maybe maybe everyone's going to so develop there the be philosophy with, maybe that you should be. just go for it on fourth down <laughs> no matter what. I think it's a trend across the league. Uh, it is. There, there's one thing that NFL coaches hate to answer about after a game, and it, and it's, you know, listen, kickers are a crucial part of football, and that's the way the game was developed and everything like that. But after a whole week of coaching, looking at film, 
how the game plays out, using the challenges, back and forth, divisional rival, whatever, going on the road to Baltimore. The last thing you want, even though they probably won't admit to this, depends on the guy. You don't want it coming down to a kick. Yeah, but I, and I, you don't. But no, 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 no. I, I completely disagree with you because really? if, if uh, John Harbaugh asked that, you know, if you ask well, John Harbaugh that's a special right circumstance. now, do you want the game to come down to your kicker? You want to be able to say yes. You I do. agree that there's a lot of head coaches that don't aren't able to say yes. But there's a handful of coaches that would say, oh, I'd love for my I think a coach wants to be able to say, I want my game to come down to my kicker. That means they have trust in their kicker. But how many coaches can truly say that in the league right now? Five, ten. How many? How many kicker? How many great kickers are there? Not a lot. The Lions have struggled to find one for the last six, seven years. Ever since Prater left, it's been kicker roulette. They can't do it. I'm sick of this. It's it's the inconvenient truth around the NFL, in my opinion. That just like you don't want it to come down to that. I you you go into the solutions. I. I'm still held up on the fact that you think suck up or these older guys could come in and be a step up from Patterson. I think, I think it's the trust of seeing what Patterson can do and letting him do it. John, they don't, they don't send him out there. Are you not, do you not hear me? I do. They don't send him out there. I do, but I just, I, I can't They'd rather punt why right it. now. I, I just based on again, and I'm not there every day in practice and I don't know, you know, if, if reporters on the beat or anyone else has looked into it, but you got to be able to kick a four. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> you have to be able to have that trust. And and if not, again, he shouldn't be on a roster then. A lot of this is shadowed by how good the punter is. Look at it. Look at this sports talk radio right now. We're talking about kickers oh, and punters. It's beautiful. Because the Lions give it. I, they're just kicking. You have no run. other they're concerns down. anywhere else? No. This Running is back? The, no. This is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They had a stumble last week versus the Bucks. They didn't run the ball up. Very well, but we Against talked this about Ravens it. front four. What do you what do you expect? But we talked back? we talked about it, John. When this team has struggled on the ground, Jared Goff has stepped up, and not only has he, he has. done that, he's put both hands above his head and said, "Watch this." Clinks his beers together. Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin. He's been incredible. So no, like I, I think this team has enough weapons. This offensive line is good enough to where you can throw Donovan Edwards in at running back, and it's going to work. And yes, last week they struggled, but Jameer Gibbs is coming back. He's trending to play again. Craig Reynolds is going to be fine. They just signed Ibram, the old Minnesota running back, back to the roster. They're going to be all right. They're going to survive. I don't need to see Leonard Fournette in a Lions jersey anytime soon. Mm, the Eagles just got Julio Jones. You're going to be kicking yourself if Julio Jones is a uh, a viable stream option and doing some stuff for Philadelphia in a couple he weeks. He was a bum last year for the <laughs> Titans. He was yeah, like for Ryan Marvin Tannehill. Jones. He for was Ryan like, Tannehill. Well, did you watch Jalen Hurts play on Sunday? Listen, it's a tough Jets defense. Did did you watch Jalen Hurts play I, it, on it Sunday? Was, it was some of the most unexplainable not, throws I've ever seen in my entire was, life watching football. It was just not awful. Jalen Hurts at his best. I'll give you that. It's an understatement. I'm just I'm just telling you, Julio Jones in the mix. Nine eight it nine. Could, it could be something, and the Lions right now are staying put for better or for worse. And on and we're not saying 100% that it's 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 going to be for worse but that's what they're doing right now. 989 trusting in their depth. 989 <laughs> 8376125. Again that's 989 8376125. Are we overreacting here or does this kicker thing actually put a little bit of pee down your leg? Because it puts a whole lot of fear in me. 
Let's talk about the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry next. You're listening to The Payoff on the all-new 100.9 FM. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to The Payoff. Hey, guys, it's Zach from Sagan. I'll give you guys a call here. First off, I like what you guys are doing. Uh, Thank you so much. You know, I, I'm sitting here on a Monday. I'm feeling really good. Hey, Lions get a, you know, off to a four and one start. Best, you know, off to a four and one start for the first time since 1991. And then you get the news that Emmanuel Mosley tears his other ACL and is done for the year. At first, it was C.J. Gardner Johnson. Now it's Emmanuel Mosley. You know what? I think it's time for Brad Holmes to do. I think it's time for Brad Holmes to push his chips to the table. Go make a phone call to George Payton in Denver and ask him what he wants for Patrick Sertan II. Zach, I love you, man. Loyal listener. I enjoy your your listening to your calls. But the Lions shouldn't be giving up first-round picks for anybody right now. I mean, the defense is playing so good. Number one run defense in the NFL. The secondary has been quite fine. Cam Sutton really does seem like maybe the most underrated cornerback in the league kind of stole him from Pittsburgh. Jerry Jacobs, eh, he's not great, but he leads the league in picks. Kirby Joseph still back there. I think they're fine in the secondary. It would be one thing if the Lions were giving up a third-round pick for some depth, uh, maybe even like a, like a fourth-round pick. But a first-round pick, I mean, come on. Come on. That's a little too steep for uh, the old Ben Bosher right here, old Big Ben GM. You're you're a big picks guy. You're a big. It, I, I value them. Like you know how you stay good in the NFL. You keep mm-hmm. drafting good and and replenishing your older players with rookies that turn out good. And Brad Holmes has been such a killer in the draft that I'm just not willing to give up draft capital right now. Even though that pick's probably going to be at the end of the draft. Look what the Lions or end of the first round. Look what the Lions have been doing around there. They just took Sam Laporta in that area. I'm just not willing to give up first-round picks right now. It's a luxury to draft well. That's what Brad Holmes has done. And, yeah, I, he he's very good, one of the top corners in the NFL, but right now I don't think is a need. Maybe a running that, back is, maybe a kicker is. I can almost guarantee. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that pick will be used on a cornerback. And I'd rather have a rookie cornerback and hopefully, you know, insert him in, start playing good, turns out to be a really good player, than to bring in Pat Sertain, lose your first-round pick, and all of a sudden you're paying him a boatload of money. Let's hit the text line really quick. Rack been up that conversation about the kickers. Unfortunately, I think our love for going for it on fourth down helps the no kicker situation, but I'm also worried about flushing timeouts down the drain with two of the worst challenges I've ever seen this year by Dan. I agree. That's from JT down in grand Rapids. I mean, this kicker situation, it's, it's scary, especially, you know, we already said it, but the two-and-a-half-point spread, there's going to be a game on the line where you have to march down the field, go 80 yards, and a field goal ties it or whatever. And you, you, you have to be able to trust your kicker in those situations, and I just don't right now, which is a scary feeling. Let's move away from the scary we'll feeling. We'll get Ryan up. <laughs> right, right, right. It's Randy Bullock time. One thing I'm not nervous about, someone who roots for that school down in Ann Arbor, mm. is this game this weekend. It's supposed to be rivalry week. My whole, my whole life growing up, this game has been such a big deal. It led to some of the biggest arguments at the lunch table. Oh my, you would have thought we were trying to kill each other. But this game, there's just, there's just no hype going into it. There's no momentum. There's no energy. Michigan State's wearing black jerseys. <sighs> Go read it's the It's in com- prime time. It's on NBC. 
It's a 24 and a half point spread. Oh. And to be honest, to Michigan, it should be more. It also true, but it just feels like another game. And we have some audio from Blake Corum, the Michigan running back who leads the nation in touchdowns on the ground, who kind of backs that up. You want to play it, John? Just treating the game like the rivalry it is. Saturday, we go in there and just handle business like always. You know, like we have the past couple games. You know what I'm saying? So we're not going to hold a grudge on what happened last year. You know, always keeping the back of your mind. You know what I'm saying? But we're not going there to rough them up or anything like that. You know, we're going to fight or anything like that. Like it's, it's part of the past. Sounds to me like someone who just doesn't really care about this rivalry right now, but not sparking any emotion. They're going to destroy Michigan State on Saturday. Oh, man. No, no, no. He said it on Tuesday. It's a 24 and a half point spread, John. Like, there, there's just no energy going into this game. So, I guess my question for Michigan fans, then feel free to text in with any Lions or Michigan stuff. And if you want to text in all your fears for Saturday as the MSU fans, feel free to. But my question for the Michigan fans is, are you even excited for this game? You don't think there's an element of carefree football for Michigan State? Because, listen, I don't know. I mean, there's still six games left, but just based on Michigan State's schedule, this isn't going to be a season that finishes with a bowl. <laughs> this isn't gonna like really. Hot I mean, unless, take from unless, John Vacari. Uh, unless, unless maybe you know, like a couple years ago when they put in, I, I want to say like Rutgers in a max school in with five wins, just based on. I don't a even think that's declines. allowed anymore. I, I think get, you have to have six. I, it used to be the rule, but they saw. I, I'd have to look into that. Not the point. But Michigan State is playing this like their Super Bowl. And John, you, you say, can't. <laughs> you don't get to play a game like a Super Bowl when you're two and four. You do and have though. an zero three record in the conference. And, no, and, you and don't. And talk about a team that's going to play carefree for a lot of these guys on, on this current Michigan State roster. And and again, not knowing every guy's situation, but it's probably going to be their last Michigan State Michigan game. A lot of these guys are going to hit the portal if they have any potential to, to to go somewhere else of equal stature. Right, and if all these guys are going to leave anyway, why do, why would they care about this rivalry game whatsoever? It's leaving it all out on the field mid- right there. Sure. That's, that, that's the mindset that they have to come in with, and I think it is easy to say, well, Michigan does get every team's best shot. They got Indiana's best shot. They got Rutgers' best shot. And they what got did Minnesota's. they do to Indiana, John? They destroyed them. Murdered. <laughs> you, are you, let me ask Over. you this. Are you an analytics guy? I, from time to time, use smartly. I try not to be boggled down by it too much, but if I feel they add, it depends on the analytic, Ben. Uh, well, here's, I got something analytic for you and something pretty straightforward. Okay. 20,000 times a simulation was ran on this game. Oh, here we go, the simulation. 18,620 times Michigan won. Is that a good enough analytic for you? Or what, 2,000 oh. times Michigan State won? <laughs> yeah, sure, John. Wait, wait, wait. This, is, this is La La Land. No, Michigan won that many times. Here's something for you. All right. Michigan State doesn't have a head coach. Have an interim. You know what? Uh, Rich Jude, our director of sales here yep. at the Mint, brought up a really good point at the end of last week. He asked us, uh, can an interim head coach be fired? <laughs> <laughs> that might happen on Saturday. There might oh. be a new interim head coach. A new, new interim head coach. It's going to be Mark Antonio, who has a made-up job right now. That's that's quite literally what his job is. It's just to walk around and be a familiar face to all the Michigan State players who are about to enter the transfer portal after this weekend. But to me, I'm looking at this right now, John, and I'm just not even excited. It's just another game that Michigan walks into and is 24-point favorites, and if they don't win by 30, it's disappointing to everybody else. 
I'm looking at the rest of the teams of this team. There's two games on the schedule. Penn State, Ohio State. Michigan State has given me, someone who roots for Michigan, zero reason to give a damn about them this year. If they don't cover, you're concerned? No. Okay. No, I'm not concerned at all because they're going to win this game handedly. Hell, Mm. you can't ask for a better situation for Michigan State. Prime time, 7.30, under the lights, in the woodshed. And it just doesn't matter. I'm not excited about this game. It's just another game that I'm going to sit. I I guess the best thing for me is I don't have to watch two games at once. I just get to sit back and watch one game because they feature both the teams we talk about. That's the best part for me. And other than the fact that Michigan's going to wax this team for the second consecutive year, it's going to be embarrassing. I, I was looking at tickets before we went live. I can't believe they're up to like $65 minimum. I can't believe Michigan State fans aren't paying us to go to the game. They're not paying their students to fill that thing up. Otherwise, it's going to be all Michigan fans there. This is going to be a massacre on wow. Saturday. It's, it's, I'm just, it's not going to be fun. Like Usually, <laughs> rivalry games are supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be able to beat your team in the last second. I liked those games where they were both top 15, where it was night games. It's a better feeling. There's more energy in the building. It's more exciting than walking into your opponent's stadium at twenty as 24-point favorites, as your quote-unquote rival. But right now, it just doesn't feel like a rivalry because this is the biggest discrepancy in talent that Jim Harbaugh has ever had against Michigan State in his tenure at Michigan. Yeah, and he's not too concerned about it. Uh, of course, Michigan's program on the, the, uh, on the cusp of 1,000 wins and this is what he dedicated time to in his press conference yesterday. In the end zone, there was Michigan was spelled with a one, a one G instead of an I G. You know the M. You know, that's that's a Roman numeral for a thousand. There'll definitely be a sticker <laughs> on the helmet. Yeah, imagine having to sit through this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that's what hey, we're hey, talking coach, about. Hey, coach, coach, can you week? preview? Uh, you know, what, what do you see in Sparty? Uh, you know, are they going to play for their season? But. Yeah, you know, I, you throw a UM on the on the helmet, you know. M- maybe if instead of an IG, you put a 1, you know, and a G because that's 1 G's a 1,000. <laughs> yeah, you know. You see the block M that I wear in every press conference on my hat. <laughs> maybe we just put those, like, you know, maybe put those on the walls or something. I don't know. Maybe we fly a blimp over or something. Like, what, what are we talking about here? It's rivalry week, and this guy's talking about what they're going to put on helmets? Oh, my that, goodness. But that's how – That's uh, kind of my entire that's, point. That's, that's, that's what you've uh, sort of – Talked about that's that's how Michigan feels about it. And there's this like, you know, I, I feel like this isn't even coming from Michigan State fans. I don't know who's coming up with this, and I'm not gonna call out the writer who who put this out there, but I'm reading articles previewing this game, and there's quotes saying Michigan State is going to be fired up for this night game. The crowd will be electric, and as I said, this will be their national title game. There's not gonna be anybody there. Everyone's gonna leave at halftime, just like they've been doing all season long. No, 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 I'm, you're laughing, but I'm not kidding. Ask people who go to Michigan State. I've been to one of their games. I've been to two of their games this year. Everyone's, Why? Well, for the first time I was in the press box for the Central oh, yeah, Michigan CMU, game because yes, I'm a very important person, no. obviously. Uh, no, obviously, great hair. Second time, I went, <laughs> second time I just went, everyone leaves because it's a massacre because Maryland was thrashing them. Wow. There's not going to be anybody at this game. There's not going to be a fired-up crowd there. It's just, it's just wrong. Ben, I think we're going to this game now. If we, if we get the tickets maybe under $40. I heard you were going to a wedding. 
I, maybe, maybe not. I, I heard know. you've got something special for I, us planned out in this last segment. Along I with, do. I do. You wouldn't even tell me what it was. No, we'll, we'll finish the show with that. But we, we got to get into some sticking posts with the NFL. I want to touch a little Red Wings stuff coming up next, if that's all right. That's I think we should do that. Fine with me. 989-837-6125. This is Frick Sports Bar and Grill text line. Are you nervous? If you're a Michigan State fan, do you even care? If you're a Michigan fan or Red Wings, Lions, whatever you got, throw it our way. You're listening to The Payoff on the all-new 100.9 FM, presented by the Forward Corporation. The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. You know, John, the more I watch other NFL games, I have two main takeaways. Jared Goff continues to climb up my quarterback rankings list because every time I watch another game, some quarterback's struggling and Jared Goff just doesn't have those time of games anymore. But we talked about that a ton yesterday. You guys can go listen to that on Spotify, Apple Music now, a bunch of other places. I already drooled over Jared Goff enough this week, but I'm sure I'll do it again at the end of the week because why not? But the other main takeaway I have, and don't get me wrong, Dan Campbell contributes to this. Some of these NFL coaches, man, are just the dumbest decision makers on the planet. Every week, it seems like there's a coach just making a moronic decision. Just this irrational, no explanation behind it. Something that would make the other team say, oh, they, they just did that? They really just gave us this? It's like, honestly, mind-blowing. And yesterday, we have yet another example of it. When Mike McCarthy, with eight seconds left, just decides, uh, you know what, let's milk this thing down to three seconds and get out of here with three points instead of taking a shot at the end zone to close out halftime. We saw your Giants do it on a Sunday night. When I mean, that was more of a Tyrod Taylor thing. But he's just like, you know what, let's run it here and not be able to get off the second play. Brandon Staley does something, three stupid things every game, but the dumbest of them all, was when he went for it on his own 24-yard line on fourth and one, failed to pick it up. It's honestly nuts how many dumb decisions there are in the NFL by these coaches. I think it's fair to say football IQ across the board at times this season has just been in the in the dumpster pretty much. I, I mean, you can go back to the Giants point. D- Dable deserves some criticism there because uh, you could tell when your quarterback's audible and he audibled out of a pass play. They were going to pass it. They were going to do the right thing. Did you have a timeout? And then I think they did. Then you <laughs> should have called remaining. <laughs> They like, and it's just, what are we doing? I, you leave points on the field so much in a game of points. I, it, it's so bad across the board. And it's something that if the coaches can instill in the players, you really can't expect the players to have. Josh McDaniel kicks a field goal. Down eight with two minutes left, never gets the ball back. <laughs> Dan Campbell throws his challenge flag without thinking, like gears don't even turn, and he's just like, ah, screw it, challenge. <laughs> We're 30 seconds into this game, and this drive doesn't matter, but screw it, challenge. Do it. Like, it just it just doesn't make sense to me, some of, some of the decisions that they Like, they're overthinking it sometimes. All these analytics, like, I, I really do feel like sometimes you just throw the, that kind of stuff out the window and just look at the game. Do you really need to throw a challenge flag right here? 30 seconds in you're down eight. Why would you kick a field goal? I, I just, I, I can't comprehend it. I genuinely feel like there's a handful of no, not a handful, a tremendous amount of good Madden players that would just <laughs> not make these mistakes. And you could say, Oh, look at Simplify these two, it. you know, armchair quarterback, Monday morning quarterback. These are things that in the moment 
you have to recognize as head coach and even players. It's kind of uh, what that, you're that paid you to do. To, it's it's your job. You know, it's 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 what you're supposed to do on the field, and it's just been it's been laughable because like I there, there's a couple guarantees in the NFL in the last couple of weeks, pretty much that I've seen. You're gonna get a brawl every weekend. I don't know why <laughs> these guys can't control in the their crowd emotions. or on the field. Uh, exactly. Well, there's always in the crowd, Both. especially in Vegas. But if you're getting, you know, I, I get it. You want to get pumped up for the opponent. I, you know, we've all played sports. We've been there, this and that. Three games this weekend having pregame skirmishes, scrums. Like, what What are we doing? Leave it on the field. And then in the Giants-Bills scenario, just to keep hammering that point, you come out with a little pregame fireworks and then an absolute stinker of a defensive game. <laughs> like, no one involved in that brawl did anything worth of note in the actual games. Like, maybe save, maybe save it for, you know, the 60 minutes that you're allocated each Sunday. Uh, so, very, very stupid on that end. But... That being part of it, and then just some of the football IQ bonehead decisions from really that that are you can't defend really well. Like I, I'm even willing to give more of a leeway, more credence to you know throwing or being too aggressive with the challenge flag. I get it. I'd rather a coach do that than not throw the challenge flag at all. No, but <laughs> 30 seconds into a game, just in no. that scenario, yeah, it's tough. But some of these like clock management situations, right? Clock management is probably the most important pillar, or one of the most important pillars, as a coach. And, and not you to have harp- to manage the clock. You win time and possession most of the time in an NFL game. You're gonna win the game. That and the turnover battle. And not to harp on Dan Campbell. I think he's a good coach. But like, you're not in control of the offense. You're not in control of the defense. You have to be a good clock manager. Yeah. Like, there's no way around that. You don't get mistakes. When you're that type of head coach, who's kind of just the overseer of things. There's not a lot of those guys, but there's there's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. You got something about some sport dying well, that we're, you were tell me little, about? We're going to hit a little Red Wings first before we get into that. Oh, because great. I, I, it was something that came through the wire pretty much while we were uh, mid-show today. Patrick Kane right now in the NHL is a free agent. He's coming off at the tail end of last season. He played in the postseason with the Rangers. He missed. It was expected to miss four to six months because he is really or is literally resurfacing his hip so it's like a a hip surgery to resurface it uh and it's actually been expedited in the time frame of that so he might be coming back within the month he's still a free agent are you about to make a case for the red wings they it's already been reported three teams are in on him the buffalo sabers or uh, excuse me i should I, i should reiterate that they're not that they're in on it but they're contenders to sign there's been you know uh conversation at least from kane's camp are these mom's basement reports or are these Frank legitimate Cervalli, reports? This is Frank Cervalli, who used to be a long time at TSN. He's now at the Daily Faceoff, which might be like a, uh, you know, a, I guess like a, a different website affiliated still with TSN. I'd have to look into that. But I trust, I trust Cervalli. Canadian, though, but I trust Cervalli. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> he's, just, he's just not an American hockey reporter. So it's, it's someone up north. So he might not be a name to maybe even American hockey fans. But he says Sabres, Red Wings. And, of course, the Rangers and possibly reuniting him. I have an argument for this, and I have an argument against it. I saw him last year with New York. It did not work. It did not work. He is not not a top-flight player anymore in the league. He had a great run. He's one of the best American-born players ever. You can look back at, you know, the Olympics, multiple Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. He is a stud. He's the top 100 player ever in the game. I think last season or two seasons ago, NHL did their top 100 players ever ever to celebrate 100 years of being a league, and Kane was one of them. He's that darn good. But especially coming off this surgery, I 
you can't put him on that those top two lines. But I think he's a perfect veteran that if you could put in a role player, if you want to make a different sport comparison, if you could fit him in not being the main catalyst of your power play, I still think there's stuff that he could add. And, and Detroit should not, you know, overpay for him by any means either. But take a veteran's minimum, take a flyer on him, I think is worth it. Hey, they're playing damn good hockey right I, now. I, they are. They, two and one. They, had, I, they started out 0 and 1. They had a, I mean, they, that Tampa Bay game, man, you have all this hype going into the year, all these expectations that you should be in the race. You start 0 and 2, and obviously it's a very long season, but like, ah, it's just, it's such, such a bad feeling. But they go down to Tampa and thump them six goals. And then they just who did they just beat yesterday? Uh, Columbus. 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 Yes. You thump them. The Blue Jackets. This, is, this might be a good hockey team. Larkin, not afraid to just rip it right now. That's the key to success. Just rip it. And I, I love the fact that it's Larkin, it's Debrinkit. Everyone is just ripping shots on goal. John, you said on our last Thursday, uh, their 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 first game, it just kind of felt like you needed to see some sort of chemistry for this to work. And so far, I think we've seen a great job of that chemistry. Yeah, and something else away, away from that point, but the chemistry has been there. How about James Reimer shut out against Columbus? Granted, I know it's a Columbus team that's like you can call them on the come Ooh, up. You were treating him like they're, JMO. They're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I wrote it. Not that I wrote him off, but I was just like, I don't know if he could still do it. He uh, he he showed up first game to play. He's still obviously in that backup role, but if Detroit can get games like that out of him and defensive efforts like that against opponents you should beat then it's it's a feel-good feeling right now if you're a Red Wings fan. It really is. You have four minutes left. You said yeah, something I, about a so, dying sport, well, but no, you won't I, tell me what it is. I, I woke up today. I was in a I, – I don't know if I was in a good mood, but I, I was a little tired. But I'm like, I woke up this morning, you look at your feed, and I saw – and I think we both have a collective interest in this. Combat sports, right? Fighting, whether it be WWE, UFC. But a sport that has taken the back, the back seat has been boxing. And Boxing Today and Showtime Sports announced that they're ending a 37-year partnership. So boxing is no longer on HBO. It's no longer on Showtime. Where is boxing viewed? I don't even know where to watch Wherever it anymore. Wherever Logan and Paul's then, streaming and, it and this is And that's the, that's the crux of the problem, too. I'm okay. I understand media rights deals, you know, flop like pieces of paper and roll over into the next years, right? Michigan, Michigan State, a prime example if you told people two years ago that the game would be on NBC, that makes no sense because that's the Notre Dame's channel. But now, you know, the Big Ten has rights on NBC. Showtime has been in the fight game for 37 years. The Mayweather-Pacquiao fight was Showtime, a collaborative effort with HBO. They had the rights for Mayweather forever. You want to go back in the day, Tyson Holyfield, when he bit the ear, that was Showtime Sports. That's part of how boxing became, and it was at a time, one of the top sports in this country, now they don't even know, and it's an article that you know was released from ESPN that has some rights to uh, to boxing. But you don't even know where the PBC is going to be. Showtime owned part of the PBC. Canelo Alvarez, who maybe you know him, maybe you don't, but that's who people in boxing regard as the top athlete in the game right now. Well, you want to know? You don't, you you don't know, know where he's going job? to be streamed. And if it's Amazon Prime, who's done a great job with the NFL, mainly because they brought in NBC people and it's produced by Fred Cadelli, who did Sunday Night Football for years, and Al Michaels and Herb Street and whatever. But the bro- the boxing production that I've seen has hindered the sport. And you're always going to have clown shows like Logan and Jake Paul, and I can make an argument on a different day that they've actually been, you know, keeping boxing alive because people are actually, you know, they, they put some good undercard fights in there and then their clown show at the end, but people do 
watch those streams. But the production value across the board has been terrible. I've What's got a bad for a for sport, you. and I'll give it to you. What's bad for a sport, if you don't know where you're supposed to watch it or listen to it or read about it, you're in trouble. And it goes hand in hand, this problem. Uh, there's too many leagues. There's too many titles. There's too many this. Too many, like No one knows what's going on in this division because there's a thousand different titles in that. Like it, It's just yeah. so and, chaotic and, 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 and Fox, unorganized. Yeah. And to the UFC's credit, they've all brought it to one. Yeah. It's a worldwide thing. UFC has created these divisions, these classes. You know who's in. Well, maybe even if, if even if you're a casual UFC fan, everyone fights in the UFC. There's not these different leagues and brands and everything. The UFC's top dog. Endeavor, company who kind of owns UFC, yeah, they do. Just inherited WWE. Yeah, they should go after boxing next and actually make yeah. boxing it's, a not a league, but create a UFC type structure around it where it's. Everything's going to be through UFC. There's just one league or whatever you want to call it and have it more organized for that matter. That, that's, no, that's I agree. an easy the, solution. If too many titles. What's the main federation? No one knows. Nobody knows. All right. Fun show. Got a lot of stuff planned for you this week. It's rivalry week. John's going to be on Dow versus Midland on Friday. We're going to hit more Michigan, Michigan state this week. We've got our picks on Thursday. It's going to be a fun show, John. All right. Thanks for listening. Everybody, you know what time it is. Thanks for listening to the payoff on the all new 100.9 FM.